0: This is episode 16 of above the break i'm nevin brown and as always i'm joined by the one the only the transparency uh, you, well, okay I, when i set you up like it's like <laughs> it's like throwing a monster lob and you just like you're there and you can slam it home and then you're like no i'm just actually gonna, like kind of like finger roll this in everyone's like you cuck why would These you do fundamentals, that? Fundamentals, baby. That's that's what they call me, you know. That's the I see. Here's the thing when you're above the rim, finger
1: rolling it is actually the opposite of fundamentals. You're more likely to <laughs> yeah. miss it. I guess that's true. Yeah. All so, right, get, but no, but that was just like a solid two-hand, like dump dunk. You know what I mean? Like, no, no yeah. mustard on it, just whoop. sometimes those are like the
0: most fun, like where you're like, ah, he's about to throw this down, and then he just like gently lays it in because he keeps he dunked it so well that he was like, I don't even need to slam this home." That's right. Yeah. Okay. This episode is titled awards because guess what time it is, James? It's award season. Oh yeah. It's time for actually, it's not even time to dish out the awards. The awards, I think were settled probably pretty close to like a week ago. I know people say let all the games be played, but if you need like these three or four extra games to like. Parse through these things, then like I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like, guys miss more than four games in a season and they win these awards. Like, come on, you don't need these four games. Plus, if we're gonna be real, some of these stats like can be really meaningful, and some of them can be just like, oh, you played the pistons. Like, how did you not get 30 points? They're in a race to get, you know, a top five pick.
1: Yeah, it would be difficult to sway me on any of these things like in the run of four or five games. You know, it's just like the, the, what could change within the context of an entire season? I know. Well, actually, it was funny that you say it's
0: like nothing over these like last four or five games could sway me. And I keep seeing these like accounts that are pushing like certain people's MVP narratives. And like one of them I saw was like it was like it was a guy's like, how is this? how's Joel Embiid not your MVP? And it was like, last three games, like, you know, absurd numbers. I'm like, well, yeah, because like, here's the thing, dude. If your argument's like, he's been the best player of the last three games, it means you can't point to the season stats to make it.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, if you can, you're making the wrong argument, you know? Exactly.
0: It's like, yeah. like what are you doing where someone's like, Luka Doncic, how yeah. needs to be in the MVP discussion, last six games. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is 82 yeah. game season. Last six games, like, fuck, dude. If we're going to do like last five games, put fucking Jalen Green in the MVP mix. Well, as he should be, but you know, let's. <laughs> I mean, has Jalen has Green been the MVP of the last five games? Actually, probably not. They haven't,
1: oh, what, they've won one of those games, maybe. Yeah, I guess on, on win loss, he couldn't be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but you'd, you'd have to include her in the conversation. You have to include
0: the conversation. You can't ignore a 30 point game score. I mean, Which like that's just
1: is now officially and moving forward.
0: Yeah. And, and on great efficiency too. It's just fantastic. Fuck it that they played the Kings twice. Those, they still count the same. Hey, now this is starting to feel like a Rockets roundup, man. Okay. Well, it's because this episode may or may not have much Rockets talk because I don't know if Rockets fans or NBA fans are aware of this. There's not a lot of Rockets in the awards pictures. Yeah. Um, that's what happens when you lose maybe the most games in the league. Okay. So I think we should just get going with our awards. We're going to touch with coach of the year, rookie of the year, six man of the year, a lot of, of years at the end of these, most improved player of the year, defensive player of the year and most valuable player of the year. Um, I'm not sure if all of those are their textbook names, but I like throwing in the, of the year because it's not actually of the year it's of the season you know whatever whoever came up with these fucking names
1: we're gonna we're gonna do our uh above the break signature least valuable player award as well right yes so i i left that off so i could like be like but before we get to the
0: real awards let's oh. get to the realist award yeah. <laughs> james james just let you gotta let, trust the mc i'm not chris yeah, rock yeah. out here i'm not about to make a horrible joke and get slapped you're right <sighs> mainly because it's zoom but yes, James, let's start out with the least valuable player award. Um, how many – I gave my top three for my list. I don't know if you just have one player, but this season, who is your least valuable player in the NBA for the
1: 2021-22 season? So I, I do have a list of three. Can I, can I give you the whole list? Yes, I love it. I love it. All right, clocking in at number three is – Russell Westbrook uh I, I just feel like they had such an incredibly disappointing season and so much of it had to do with his frankly uh horrible style of play that's not conducive to winning uh, I just it's hard for me to imagine uh a player providing less value especially if we're factoring like you know price tag into account right also just like what we kind of were hoping for you to do this season yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly okay number two i think is interesting uh and you you wouldn't guess it if i gave you i, I would say a, a thousand guesses right um jordan well, we'll give jordan uh, uh, of, of the jordan
0: the of the milwaukee yeah. bucks you know so i wouldn't have guessed that just because i don't think anyone expected him to be of much consequence this season yeah. but i do know that he's been asked my, my brother's a bucks fan and he's just like there's a lot of when if we talk about disappointing parts of the Bucks season there's like always like we'll be you know like oh he's good he's good he's good Bucks are a great team and then it's like you know, every once in a while there's just like it's fucking Nawara. like there's like always like this fucking dude can't be out there why is he out there what is he doing to this team
1: let me tell you how I came to that. Uh, I, I sorted, uh, 538's Raptor, Your right. Uh, I, I, I looked at the players who added the least value and I filtered out players on bad teams because like, obviously their rating is a little bit depressed by, by the, the team success. And also like, it's hard for me to say that a guy was lacking in value towards a cause that like, like most of those teams are wanting to lose really. Right. So from, from that perspective, they were valuable by not adding value. So basically, he, he was the worst player on a good team this season. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to put it. Like,
0: no, actually, man, these, these guys that suck ass on these bad teams that are tanking, they're quite valuable. They yeah. might be like, they're more valuable than a league average player to those teams. They are helping the cause. And what they want. Yeah, that's actually, I like that. I like that. So who's number one? John Wall. Uh, Look, man, dude, wait, 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 wait! The dude put up zero value. I think John Wall. If we're if if you're sorting out bad teams, I think John Wall has literally been incredibly beneficial to the Rockets' cause.
1: I don't know because I think that the tank would have would have soldiered on even with him. And I I mean, I'm joking a little bit because it's a joke award. But like, that's that's a lot of money to to ride the pine all year. Not his fault at all. But uh, that that's my point of view is like salary to production ratio. See, I think the one of the things Rockets fans are missing about how
0: crucial John Wall had been to their tank job is there's a salary floor. So John Wall's contract isn't there. They're gonna have to spend some additional money, which either means they're gonna have to bring guys in for more years and that makes, you know, your cap future bit yeah. less less good. You want as much flexibility going forward and rebuild, or you actually get someone that's pretty good and you're like, you win two or three more games and you end up with like the seventh or eighth pick and you're just like, well, fuck. We were just bad for the seventh or eighth pick. So I want to push back on that. I think John no, Love has been incredibly valuable to the
1: Rockets tank. You've convinced me. Jordan a least valuable player in the league this season. I love it. So yours. so my third least valuable player,
0: Jalen Green. He put Look, look, I... I did this mainly to hear you boo and be upset, (laughs) Um, but like, you know, 538 has him as the least valuable player uh, by their Raptor war. It's negative 2.1. He's actually like, the thing that's amazing is that like, he's improved on that negative dramatically over the course of the season. So it's all well and good for his future, but you know, by some measures, he's been one of the least valuable players in terms of, uh, I think Vorp and box plus minus, he does a bit better. Um, what's bringing him down is the on off splits that they factor in. Cause like as much as his box scores have improved, there's a little bit of a concern where it's like, this is one of the fears you have with like scoring guards is you're like, man, their stats look good. It's like, but why doesn't the team, why isn't, why isn't their stats? help the team seemingly kind of, I have the same issue with the guy like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, you know, guys like that, where it's like, it takes actual other good players around them for the team to suddenly get better. It doesn't feel like they lift them. I'm not concerned about Jalen green just cause like he's super young and I want to troll you
1: now. I want to get
0: to, all right. You go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let me just, back. I, I mean, back. no, well point, point well made. First of all, I, I didn't really consider rookies for this exercise at all. Just because like, you know, the rookies, right? But also, also and-, and like Kevin Porter, game Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Jr. is technically a rookie because like his first rookie
0: season doesn't count because he wasn't playing point guard. And so like, and last season, it was only like 30 something games. So like this is really his actual rookie season as a point guard. Well, continue. if you'd said Kevin Porter Jr., I, I would not have necessarily booed. So <laughs> <laughs> he's been, he's been, he's been, you know, he, he's hit enough of his threes. I don't know if that'll continue, but he's hit enough of his threes not true. to be a
1: horrible, useless it's, player. It's true. No, he's a good catch and shoot player, apparently. But the the other thing I want to say in regards to like the value of scoring guards and all that, it's definitely, it's definitely tends to be true. It's just harder for those, that archetype to like, Uh, impact winning as compared to like playmaking wings or bigs or what have you. But, you know, I guess the hope when you're looking to project green is that down the road, you know, he'll be one of those players that's the subject of that old debate of like, well, his metrics say that, you know, he impacts winning to only a certain extent, but like, he's obviously one of the best scorers in the league. And so like different schools of thought will perceive him differently. You know, like, that, that that's what I expect for Green. In his prime, I think he's going to score 30 points per game. And guys like us are going to say, like, well, actually, you know, he's not the best player in the league, even though sometimes he looks like it. You know?
0: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's one of those things where when we talk about best player in the league, a lot of times what people default to is who, when they're at their best for one game, can be the most unstoppable tends to be a lot of people thinking like, who's the best player in the league. And like, I think he has that upside. Um, so that's great. I mean, like as a rookie this season, he's probably actually shown that of this rookie class, like when he's fucking on, I don't think anyone else can just win a game through their scoring in the way that he can, but I'm not worried about him long-term. Cause I think he actually is a pretty impressive passer they just haven't asked him to lean into it as much and i think stephen silas is going to be out of a job halfway through next season for obvious reasons with that offense not a rocket's podcast number one and number two and the least valuable player of the year i had to have a tie i have russell westbrook and julius randall oh. julius randall has been so fucking bad and the reason why to me i might give him an edge over westbrook is i've been banging the drum on westbrook being in decline for a long time. Anyone I mean you don't need advanced analytics. You can just look at the way he plays. I think with Westbrook the biggest indictment of him this season isn't the like odd fit on offense. It's that he was asked to not do as much on offense because he's playing next to LeBron and AD. That's that's a fair thing to ask of pretty much any player in the NBA. You could put Kevin Durant on that team, and you'd be like, "Hey, Kevin, you're not. We don't need you to take quite as many shots because there's these two other guys that can take shots, and, and they fucking go in, right? Like, it's that he didn't take that conser- conservation of energy and put it all on defense. It was. It's almost like the like he he like lost energy on defense. His defense was piss poor. The Lakers built this LeBron AD championship core around really good defense. And Westbrook, I kind of thought would be like, oh, he'll be, he'll give effort on defense. He's just lost. I've never, like, he looks like a rookie out there on defense. Like, it's like the amount of times where like he's just like, doesn't know what the fuck is going on. was just absurd. He's obviously a bad fit on offense. But like, to me, it's not the offensive fit that was the most disappointing with him. It was... I mean, I don't know how many games you watched him, but like, it was kind of it was kind of fucking sad.
1: Yeah, probably probably about a half dozen, six, seven Lakers games this year. Uh, I completely agree with you, man. Because the thing about the offense is that like, it really just boils down to the fact that he can't space the floor, right? Like, if if he could shoot, he would be able to play with LeBron. And like any player in NBA history, he would love to shoot as high percentage as he could. So like, I have a hard time holding it in games, guys. When they don't space the floor, it's like they want every shot they take to go in. They do what they don't, you know. But yeah, he really could have taken this opportunity to like recommit to defense, practice defense, think about defense, watch tape. And it doesn't appear that he did that. He actually looks worse on that end than he ever has. So th- th- it's a big disappointment.
0: Yeah, I, I that to me was just like, it's like, oh, shit. like And that's why I think he's going to be one of these guys kind of like A.I., or maybe even Car- maybe AI where he's just like kind of out of the league after this big deal or Carmelo, where it's like, it takes him basically being out of the league to like readjust how he's going to be an NBA player to get back in. It'll be one of the two. Yeah. Julius Randle and me though. It's like, like, let's be real here. Like I, we both didn't project the Knicks to be the four seed again, or really even be better. We thought the the moves they made would like, you know, help. We also, I mean, I don't know if we also, but I took a look at Julius Randle and I was like, look, like he probably just had a career year, good career year, but he was all NBA. Like this dude was a fucking all NBA player. And this season, he's like literally been one of the least impactful players. 538 has him at negative point 0.9 war. 237 yeah. out of 250 eligible players. Uh, players have played uh, basically a little over a thousand minutes. He's been the 13th, 14th worst player in the league in that range in terms of value, like Russell Westbrook's right there next to him also. But to me, it's just like the Knicks were expecting him to take a step back, but I thought they would be like, you know, a seven seed to play in team with, I I just, I can't believe it. He completely fell off defense, offense, everything. And, you know, the Knicks were wanted to make the playoffs and they are counting on him being a, a pretty good player. And I think he's the main reason that they're not even in the play-in or even close to it, really.
1: You know, I, I wrote a trade piece about Randall earlier. Do, do you know, like off the top of your head, even how far his three-point accuracy plummeted uh, between last season and this season? I mean, I would have to imagine it's got to be close to 10%. Yeah, a little more, man. Uh he shot 41 percent from deep last year, dude. On on five attempts, five and a half attempts per game. And this year on five point four attempts per game, he's shooting 30.8. Like he literally went from elite to to putrid. That's
0: I mean rare. Yeah, that is rare. I mean, but it's uh it's like what it takes like 750 three point attempts for someone's, you know, shooting three point shooting You like kind of like stabilize or you can be confident in it. I think we both agreed last season was probably an aberration.
1: Oh yeah. But, it, like, but like, like 34, 35%. What it, and he still know, has like been pretty been good. Been yeah. And he's still been pretty good. So maybe,
0: maybe it's just like back-to-back seasons. We got the best version of Randall and then the worst version of Randall and the next season we'll be like, Oh, he's, he he's is. back or yeah. he'll, he'll bounce right back up and win most improved player again. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. Let's <laughs> let, let, let's get out of the weeds here and move, move on. Let's move to a real award that exists at least. I think least valuable player is my most favorite award because I wish I gave it out, man. I'm handing out awards for awards. My most favorite award goes to least valuable player. All right. Coach of the year, James, who is your third ranked coach of the year candidate?
1: JB Bickerstaff, man. Uh, I, I got to give him a credit insofar as like, I did not really love the three big formation heading into the season. I and loved it. it, you know, it, it works like when they have all three of them, or at least, uh, Allen and Mobley available, it works. And this is a guy that I already had a negative opinion of because he was the interim head coach for the Rockets a few years back. And I didn't think he did a very good job. Well, I mean, he didn't, that's pretty much consensus, but now, he looks like a hell of an NBA coach and, and they run a unique system and they're better than expected this year. So got to give them some credit. That, that's, that's my third man. Who do you have?
0: So I have actually bigger staff second. And it's okay. for the exact reason that you said, it's like that's three big lineup. I don't, I just, to me, it worked. And I don't think most people would even attempted it. Yeah. Like, and I think like that's what I got to give him credit for. Also, you know, they've weathered a bunch of injuries, to key dudes. He's gotten Kevin Love to be a high producing uh, bench player. Um, Darius Garland has uh, really taken a step forward. Evan Mobley came in, trusted him, got a lot out of him. I think, you know, you got to give him credit for putting Mobley like in a good position to succeed. Like that's, that's tough. A lot of guys got better on that team and you got to give Bickerstaff some credit for it. My third was Taylor Jenkins with uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. To me, the, the 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 overall record without John Morant is just like well, I think they're twenty and four now. They've lost their last two. Um, we touched on this earlier. I think was it last episode? I think so. Yeah, yeah. About how like we both were like, you know, the Grizzlies were like getting lucky to a degree about playing better to the degree they have without John Morant. But like, let's be real here, 20 and four without a guy who's probably going to make what all NBA second team at the worst, a guy who, if he'd been healthy all season, probably be in the MVP conversation, wouldn't win it, but would be like legitimately in it. 20 and four second seed. They went from like being in the plan last year to being the second best record in the league behind the Suns, who are going to win 65 games. I mean, you just have to look at that and say, holy shit right? Like they, and they, to me, they play a really crazy style of basketball. They're super aggressive with their offensive boards. They don't turn the ball over. They get on out in transition. They just, they just do the shit that like, you need a good coach to have. Cause like so much of it's just like, Hey, we're going a fucking play really hard every night. And that's why I have, I have him third. I, the only reason I don't have him higher is it's like, I actually think the front office assembled a really, really fucking good deep roster and an average coach probably would have won like 45 games with this team.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely fair. So, I mean, to no surprise, Taylor Jenkins is my, my runner up. It's my second pick. Oh, so we just have a two and three flip flop. We just flipped them. So I I guess it's just a matter of like priorities. I'm rewarding uh, a higher win total, whereas you're rewarding a less talented roster, right? So I mean you, you could definitely make a case either way. Like I'm you know I, yeah. I doubt either of us are too offended by the others take on that one. I bet we have the same number one. Well I I said it weeks ago. Lu, baby <laughs> oh no we don't have the same number one we oh, don't have be a good discussion. Okay. So that means
0: we got two our our two and three are interchangeable and then you don't have Ty Lu number one.
1: What you oh, was now, it Mon- let me let me Monty say this. Williams is it is it Mont- yeah, it's Monty Monty Williams Mont- yeah. Yeah yeah okay first of all i will admit that i overlooked tyloo i'll say that right although i still don't think it changes anything because they're only 500 Uh, only i love how you're like they're only 500 and i'm like well you know crew
0: you know once again and i say it with like the nuggets thing it's like it's not like Kawhi leonard's contract comes off the books for the season they like that's like 40 million they can't use to help this season's roster
1: tyloo is a great choice uh all i want to say for monty williams is i feel like any other choice may arguably be a case of overthinking this guy coached a uh 63 win team that'll probably be a 64 or 5 win team uh, without a consensus top 10 player like the, to me that's his coach of the year almost by default you know i i think tyloo is a better coach than monty williams i, I think tyloo might be the best coach in the league uh i just i would I just think that the circumstances dictate Monty Williams, you know? I'm not going to fight you on Monty Williams. I think he's a good coach. I
0: I think there's a little bit of what I've heard with, like, Coach of the Year discussions and, like, podcasts and other people is there's kind of this sense where it's like, we didn't give it to him last year and he probably should have won it. And, like, we want to make sure he gets one. And I'm like, look, dude, Coach of the Year doesn't fucking matter to these guys. I mean, like, maybe it does matter. But if we're going to be completely honest, you know what gets you paid as a coach? Rings, These yeah. things, yeah. The yeah, things yeah, that yeah. go Tyler on there. Has, the yeah. Tyler already has one. But, like, that to me is the things, like, Monty Williams is a good coach. But once again, kind of like what I held against Taylor Jenkins, that roster is so fucking good. Like, you would have to – and, like, Chris Paul is just – you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from Monty Williams. But, like, Chris Paul, wherever he goes, the sh- – the offense is always really fucking crisp. I mean, like, look what he did in Oklahoma City with like a second year SGA and fucking Dennis Schroeder. That like three guard lineup, granted, I think they had Billy Donovan, who's also a good coach. But, like that three guard lineup was like absolutely absurd. Chris Paul to me is like, he's great. He's like probably one of the league's like 10 best assistant coaches. And he's like one of the 10 best point guards. So it's like, it's a perfect, it's a perfect thing. I, I think Mighty Williams is great. They, I love their. I love how they have a really effective offense that basically is like a throwback. Granted, you can do that when you have two elite mid range shooters. So I don't know if like, if you were to take Monty Williams offense and put on like another team, would it boost them or would it hurt them? That's like one of the questions I would have. He probably would be like, don't take as many mid range. You don't hit them.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Like I, I, I want to reiterate, I really think that Ty Lue is quite likely the best coach in the NBA. It's just, I, I don't know, I have a hard time with the 500 team, but this is a good case to make, you know? Yeah, I mean, you just, the fact that they're 500 to me in that Western Conference, which
0: while, like, the bottom isn't great, the top is quite good. They have a bunch of, like, crazy, like, 20-plus point comebacks. When you're fucking best player over the course, of, like, if you were to pick the the Clippers MVP this season, it would probably be, like, Reggie Jackson.
1: Yeah, or it would be Paul George for the time that he was available, but that makes the same case because, yeah, like, he was so unavailable, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, and or Isaiah Harton. I mean, Zubach, you know, but, like, Isaiah Hartenstein has, like, been, like, a really good backup center. Yeah. Zubach is criminally underrated, and, like, I think, you know, Lou gets a lot out of him. I don't know. I just see a team where it's, like, hey, like, most of their, like, important starters this season our guys that like most teams would be like, this is our sixth man. And maybe, maybe just having eight, six men, eight, six men is actually like the best roster building strategy in the league. (laughs) Probably not, but yeah. But yeah, I I like, I like Monty Williams. I like Bickerstaff. I like Jenkins. I like Ty Lue. And I honestly, coach of the year is such a dumb award. Like what the fuck is the criteria? I'm out here being like, well, like, how do you compare to your roster? You're like, it's like, Oh, how are the schematics? Like what the fuck is coach of the year?
1: Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. It's, 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 it's harder one to measure. There's no stats, you know? So I mean, there's wins, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Yeah. But like the coaches, they, they ain't, shooting. they shooting, they ain't passing. Let's, let's move on to a better award then, you know? All
0: right. The next award, the best award. If you're a Houston Rockets fan. Because the only award you could conceivably maybe have one of your players win, even though they won't. Rookie of the year. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go out of limb and say we are gonna have some disagreements on this rookie of the year award ballot. Okay, James. You you kick it off, will you? All right, James, my third, my number three pick for the rookie of the year, who's get my you know, third place vote, Franz Wagner.
1: Ooh, no, 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 no!
0: Look, I look. Here's the thing. I, my big thing with rookie of the year is, I don't give a fuck where you've been drafted. I don't give a fuck what your long-term outlook is. I just kind of want to say, okay, who of these guys in this one-season sample that we're going to have, who had the best season? And Franz Wagner has been, by a lot of metrics, maybe the best rookie in the in the league this year. I mean, let's just go look at his stats. 15 points per game, 51% on two-pointers, 35% on three-pointers, 86% on free throws, 2.9 assists, which is pretty good for, you know, a power from all four, especially as a rookie, 4.5 rebounds, positional versatility on defense. You know, I, I just look at him, and I go, this guy's been a, like, if you were to put him on a good NBA team, not the Orlando Magic I think pretty much every team, they would find a way to make sure he gets 20 minutes because of his actual impact to winning. And that's like a pretty impressive thing for a rookie. Cause a lot of these guys get their stats because they're like, yeah, well, you know, like we're not trying to win right now.
1: Yeah. You know, like you you're, you're spitting, you're making a case. I, I get it. But I, I just feel as if they're like, three four or five rookies who are, are just better players like like that's a really simplified argument but that's that that's just my feeling like i i feel as though he's a he's good he's been he's been a big surprise but to me that like it, it's a hot take you know that like i don't even really need to explain why it's a hot take you know like, i don't think I'm, it says things I, I, why is it a hot take just if you go look at his his points and his efficiency
0: like, what part of that's actually a hot take? Like, those the points of the efficiency tend to be like you know, pretty good indicators of rookie of the year voting.
1: Well, put it this way: I'm gonna list off three guys that have a chance to win the award, and, and you've listed off a guy that doesn't have any chance to win the award. So so well, here's the thing: 538 has him at 4.9 more. That's the second
0: best of all rookies this season. Yeah, he's got a positive defensive and offensive raptor score right he's a little bit negative a little bit under zero uh for box plus minus which for rookies you know perfectly reasonable like of course to me it's like look like he's he's a guy who projects to be an above average offensive and defensive player and he's having a good efficiency season i I just like his usage is at 21 percent like not a high usage player but they He's a, he's a big part of that future. And if no, I mean if from this uh, draft, if he ends up being the fifth
1: best player, would that surprise you? I don't think no, so. That wouldn't shock me. <laughs> Austin Reeves is, is fourth and wins over replacement, right? Her, Herbert Jones is leading. Neither of them are rookie of the year candidates. So I mean, I, man, you say that you don't say tell that. me you got Herb Jones number two. Yeah. I got Herb Jones number
0: two.
1: Oh, come on, man. You know, it's going to be one of the big, the big stars. I don't give a fuck who
0: it's, look, man, I don't, I'm not out here trying to predict who's going to win it. Yeah. Okay. Fair, I'm out here trying to say like my, my feeling of rookie of the year is you just got to go, Hey, there are some rookies who this is the only award in their career that they'll probably ever have a chance to win. And I think that might be the case for Herb Jones, even though Herb Jones could win a defensive player of the year. He's like been that yeah. good on defense.
1: So like, I don't know, man. Who, who's your who's your third option? My third, we know option my, <laughs> my, my third option, forgive me for, for being, you know, a, a, a Philistine here, but uh is Cade Cunningham. No, I think that's great. I mean, I think Kate Cunningham's been good. I just, you know. I, I think like, to me, I know that the advanced metrics don't shine on him that much, but he, he's been like the fulcrum of an NBA team. He he's he's been the offensive engine of an entire NBA team. And, like, I, I just think a guy like Franz Wagner or or Herb Jones, it's a little easier for them to just kind of slot in and, like, do what they do best. Th- that applies less with Franz, who's been, like, a bona fide offensive player, you know? Like, I think Herb Jones is going to be awesome. Uh, The Pelicans should be really excited about him. He's a steal. But it's hard for me to put yeah. him up with a guy who, like, has been the number one option on an NBA team, you know?
0: Well, yeah, but I'll just tell...
1: Counter for
0: my Herb Jones stands out there. Herb Jones. He's like the fulcrum of their fucking defense. Yep. And they're they not like the play-in. And like, what was the big question about the the Pelicans? Where like, their defense is going to fucking suck. And he's made it suck less. And they're in the play-in because of it. Like, that to me matters a little bit. Like, he helped a team, that was trying to win, be good. And I do think what ends up happening is... Cade Cunningham is definitely a better basketball player than Herb Jones. But like right now, he's being asked to do shit that he can't really do it at an effective NBA level. And I don't know why that should give him bonus points. And then Herb Jones should be, it should be held against him or Franz Wagner, where it's like, well, you're actually helping your team win, but like you're not, like, you know, like that's it's not. Like, it's, it's
1: kind of like giving employee of the month to the most competent assistant instead of the ceo who struggled a little bit do you know what i'm saying it's like maybe that's not a perfect analogy but it's like to me it's like i, I do think that these guys should be awarded for having more responsibility why because that makes it harder for them to to, to come away with like a nice wins over replacement you know like yeah but you know what it also makes it easier for them to do
0: end up being a good player and getting all NBA and all-star awards down the line and getting bigger contracts. Like that's kind of my view with it, where it's like, I feel like sometimes the rookie of the year comes down to like, who do we think is going to end up having the best career? And if we don't have those guys finish in the top three, then the award will have been stupid. Like that's not the point of the award. It's just, it's to reward the rookie. That was the best this season. And like, do I think Cade Cunningham is going to be 10 times, have Ten times more VORP or WARP or Raptor than Herb Jones by the end of his career, probably. But like, right in this one season, like, let's give let's give Herb Jones his moment
1: in All the right.
0: sun. So no, but I agree with you. I think Kate Gutierrez is a, a very good choice. she's that's he's my been, third. But yeah. So who's second for you? Evan Mobley. Yeah, I like Evan Mobley.
1: Yeah, man, Evan Mobley is. Uh... He's a stud. I still think he's probably going to be the best player in the class. Sorry to all I... my Rockets Twitter homies out there, but you know that's that's how I feel. But uh, yeah, Evan Mobley. I, I, you know he he he's actually been pretty solid in terms of wins over replacement. Uh, he's probably been the defensive anchor of that team. Although you know Herb Jones has been a better defensive anchor for his team, but Mobley's had a better two-way. Impact. And again, you know, he has more responsibility. Uh, now, his, his offensive Raptor is piss poor, actually. But I, I'm going to factor in the fact that he has a larger role to, to an extent uh, in my assessment of that, you know? I would also say, like, his
0: offensive environment is really kind of precarious. Laurie Markinen's missed large portions of the season. He's playing next to Jared Allen, and while like, that's great for their defense, yeah. at this stage in his career, it's definitely not good for his offense. Darius Garland is like the only guard they have that can pass, dribble, or shoot. And I'm saying eh, do all three. He's the only one that can do any one of those things really effectively on offense. And then they brought in Karis LaTank <laughs> to the team, yeah. and like that guy is just... I, you know, he can get his buckets, but I just don't think he consistently gets other guys the looks that you want him to, even though I've, I, you see tape and you're like this guy cares Silver the ultimate, like I've seen him do the stuff that we really need him to do. Why can't he just fucking do this all the time instead of like, one every ten times. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, it's like I know he's talented, but it's like he's like he reminds me of like Monta Ellis. So like he's just one of the one of those guys, you know, where it's like like he's talented. He can get buckets. He can even set teammates up. But he just doesn't play a way that can, is conducive to winning. Uh, Look, he's the least valuable player candidate for sure. <laughs> he
0: hasn't pl- he hasn't played enough. He's tanked actually. I mean, he he really he tanked the Pacers season and he tanked the Cavaliers season when he showed up. So. He's doing it He's doing it all over the league. Yeah. Who's the okay. number one? I mean, I think we have to have the same guy. I think it's pretty obvious. I think it has to be Scotty Barnes. Albert and Shangoon. <laughs> I, mean, I love Shangoon. It's just, yeah. look, Shangoon would be my rookie of the year if he had started probably every game. He he um, done granted, it. Yeah. he does turn the ball over, like, so much, but... The turnovers right now are definitely worth it because they lead to the highlights that you want from a bad team and they lead to the turnovers you want from a bad team because those lead to more losses. But yeah, it's Scotty Barnes though, yeah. He's so good. I mean, uh, it's one of the things people question his upside. And I go, look, like this guy has no real weakness. Like you could say the outside shot isn't great, but it's been better than expected. But like in terms of like offense, defense, on the perimeter in the post defense offense like he has like no real weak spot where you're like this guy looks lost and that's as a rookie and i think players like him tend to get underrated where it's like yeah he's got no weakness but like what is he super good at i'm like well if he gets like super good at one thing based upon his current skill set right now he's like a borderline all-star like yeah you know well, but- be an all- i think he should be an all-star well, that's my point is that it's like, there's kind of, I just feel it's like people tend to have more, people tend to think guys with super, super good skills in one area and maybe like pretty big deficiencies in other ones have like more potential where I like guys that are like, they're good at everything. And it's like, all you need for them to do is get like a little bit better at one of those things or two of those things. Then the whole package is fantastic. I yeah. think he's been great. I mean, there's the counting stats, the advanced metrics, like the team success, like he's the MVP of rookies.
1: He is. Yeah. Like, let me say this, like you have favored an, uh, an argument that favors like uh box plus minus related metrics and stuff in, in your Wagner and Herb choices. Right. Whereas I've favored guys with like big roles. I uh, yeah. look a little less of that stuff, but Scotty Barnes, like he's got the hybrid argument, right? Like he, he's both, he's your guy and he's my guy. Like he, he's uh He's been really impressive, man. In in, in terms of the ceiling, uh, I've said that I think he has—I want to say—the lowest ceiling of the top four picks in the draft. It's just my opinion, but that's not to say he has a low ceiling. You know, like because I I I think this draft has a chance to be pretty historic, and I think that Scotty Burns has every opportunity to be like an All NBA guy. You know? Yeah, and you see someone that like I kind of feel like
0: multiple all defensive teams is like a super easy thing to project for him yep i i love his game and he's someone that like i love guys that i feel like if you bump up their usage they'll they'll do well you take their usage away they'll do well like those guys are so valuable because if you're going to be real like on a possession by possession basis your usage is going to fluctuate massively. You know, like some possessions you never touch the ball, some possessions, the ball's just in your hand. And I like guys that like, you know, like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, the issue is like, if they're not getting usage, that possession, they're not really helping you exactly the way they're doing. I, I think personally, I think Scottie Barnes has the highest likelihood of reaching his ceiling.
1: So I, I and I would say the same. If not Evan Mobley, maybe right. But those are the two guys who like. Maybe I'm biased, but I think that Green has the highest ceiling, but he has the lowest like expected outcome. Is is how I would put it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's there's you're
0: less confidence that like he'll get close to it, while there's more confidence the other three guys
1: that like while their ceiling might not be as high that like they will get very close it. to it. Yeah, Burns I think might be the opposite. I I, I see the lowest. Like expected outcome, but sorry, the highest expected, but the lowest ceiling, but it might be Mobley, but those two guys, like those two guys have a chance to be really unique defenders and and that's going to carry them no matter what else develops or doesn't develop. Right. Uh, The thing with Barnes, I will say that I do think the jump shot is a pretty big question mark, especially when you get into like his off ball value and stuff. Uh, It's he can have off ball value as like a cutter and a screen setter in half court sets, even if he doesn't develop the three, but to maximize his versatility, he is going to have to develop a reliable jump shot, you know?
0: Yeah. And I know that was the question about him coming out. And I think he's actually shot better than people expected. I mean, he's only at 30% from three point range, but he's at 73% from the free throw line. So like that's a good early indicator for a guy who's had issues shooting. Or that was concerned is that free throw shooting is there, and with his skill set, like if he's a thirty three percent three point shooter, with what he brings to you other places, yeah, this right. dude could be a fucking like Draymond Green small ball five. With oh yeah, more like more off the dribble creation, like we're talking about like a guy who could be like. Like that might be all he needs to be a super elite player. And that's how you know a dude is good if they're not a center where it's like, yeah, if he just shoots like 32 to 33% three point range, they're like, he's a stud. Like that's, that's nuts. Let's do it. Let's move it. Let's move on to six man of the year. I got a little nutty on this one, except I don't think I actually got a little nutty. Um, you already know who I picked third. I'm going to tell the people right now miami's favorite person white boy white boy tyler hero el gringo he's my third pick and a lot of people have him as like i think the runaway favorite and i 100 percent understand based upon the way that people usually vote for sixth man of the year which tends to be who would win the scoring title of eligible players for this award (laughs) Um, and he, I think he would, I am very confident he would cause he's at 20.8 points per game. He's got good three point shooting efficiency, not great two point shooting efficiency. Cause you know, it's one of the reasons why I don't think he can start or be a very good high end starter is because his ability to get to the rim is pretty poor. Um, but this is a good player. He's a good player that is at his best when he's going against backups, but the advanced metrics don't love this dude. And for me, that matters because if you're getting to rack up your metrics against backups for at least, you know, eight to 12 minutes a night, you, you got to have a bit better advanced metrics than this. Because really, to me, this is just a dude with a 29% usage rate and a league average efficiency overall, even though he's been very good from three point range. That's why I've at third because yeah, also so- sucks at defense sucks. Uh-huh sucks a defense
1: he does he does i i actually have a number one i'm gonna be honest i'm not particularly a fan of tyler hero for basically the reasons that you outlined like atrocious defender uh, a bit of a black hole offensively and, and he can't get to the rim and, and that makes it a problem to be a black hole offensively you know but i i think conceptually the reason why the sixth man is usually a scorer is just that like, it's very valuable to have a guy that can carry the offense for your second unit so that when your starters are resting, like you can still get points on the board, you know? And I, I, I think it's prudent to stash a guy like Hero on the second unit so that he can fulfill that role without his deficiencies, like, being as big a problem as they could be. So I guess that's why I think that's why the sixth man of the year tends to be a player of that mold, and he is mine. But I guess I should tell you my third before I tell you my first at the same time. Well, you already told us your first, um, but who's your third? Who's who's number three for you? My third? And man, in my heart, part of me wants to say this is actually my number one, but I can't do it. But my third is uh, Gary Payton. Gary Payton the second? I, well, I, I just like saying <laughs> Gary Payton personally, because it, it makes me feel young again, you know? Um, I love it. I, you know, I actually,
0: um, so I made my short list. He was on the list as well. I just, I just couldn't get over the fact that like, he played substantially fewer minutes and, sure. and like that, that, that was, to me, it was just the thing where it's like, is this guy even, this guy's not even really their sixth man. <laughs>
1: um, right. I know. Yeah. He's, that, all, that was,
0: yeah. he's, he's been great. And I, I, I love that pick. I love that pick. I mean, I almost did that pick. I almost had Tyler Hero off here for Gary Payton the second. He's great in the advanced metrics
1: too. He's fourth in defensive raptor, man. At 4.4. 4. Well, he's fucking nice. He's Gary Payton's son. Like he's Gary Payton's son. He's finally starting to show it. It's 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 a cool narrative too. He's like 30 and he's finally a good NBA player, you know. Have you seen his two-point field goal efficiency? I'm guessing not good. Oh no 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 no! Oh it's, no, it's, it's probably the, really good. Yeah, it's the, uh, let me let me pull it up for you. I, I always is, said that because he's a limited offensive player, but yeah, he, <laughs> dude, it's seven
0: four seven. He's shooting seventy four point seven percent on twos. Granted, Man. I think they're almost all dunks off of cuts, but like his his field goal percentage is sixty one point two percent. from three point range. Like in terms of like a per minute player, he might be the best per minute player coming off the bench. I mean, I think he actually is. It's just, there's a reason he doesn't play more minutes in my mind. It's because he fundamentally can't um, play more than like 18 minutes a night. And that's, you kind of want someone that's your sixth man to be like, able to play like 30 minutes if you need them. And I still don't know if he's main. Yeah. 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 Like if a starter goes down, he's the guy that's coming in. And like, I love Gary Payton. If there was like a seventh or eighth man of the year award, it's his.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. All the way down to 14th man of the year. Hey, who's your number two though? My number two is Cameron Johnson for the Phoenix Suns. This guy, I've been saying this for a while and I really think he's one of the reasons why the Suns went from like a super good team to a super elite team is that he made sizable improvements this season. He went from shooting 35% from three point range to 43% this season. And that we have to take into account. The league was better at shooting threes last year than they are this year. So it's like, I guess you could say it's bigger than an eight point jump relative to league average. It's like a, it's like a, 0.01 0.01 jump in three-point shooting which is or a point one percent jump in three-point shooting which is just like a fucking massive leap he's at 12.6 points per game he's a good defensive player awesome floor spacer uh he he's you know he's gonna i think he's a free agent either this season or next he's gonna get a lot of money because he's he's a guy who's a three and d stretch four that can give you a little bit small forward like I mean, Buck, you might even want to try him as a small ball center, depending on the matchup. I think he's been great. He's my number two option here. And he's, he's also was a considered, I considered him for most improved player, just awesome, awesome development. And one of the reasons why Phoenix is so good.
1: Yeah, dude, it's, it's a great choice. Uh, I, I think this is one of those cases where we have different names, but like, there's not really going to be a great deal of disagreement. I, I have Kevin Love number two. My Ooh. hunch is that you have Kevin Love number one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Love's had such a great season, and dude. you know, he he's a he's a multi-positional player. Well, I mean, he's a dual big, which I like off the bench personally. I, I like that you could. You could slot him in next to Allen, you could slot him in next to Mobley, you know, like he's he's got a little bit of versatility that way. I guess he's a two possession, two position player, but that's more than one, you know. Uh, he gives you a different look and shit, man. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. He actually has a positive uh defensive box plus minus this season for the second time in his career. So that's pretty cool. If I had to guess, some of that is noise due to the fact that they're such a strong defensive team, but you know, he's at least not like tanking the defense, and that, that, with a guy for such slow feet and short arms, that that's an accomplishment. And yeah, Kevin Love, man, you know, nice a nice transition, nice career transition he's having this season.
0: Yeah, I I, I picked him as my sixth man of the year. He's been great. Um, he's he's awesome, and you know, I think you should reward guys for changing their kind of like their definition of their role and their career to better the team. And he's done exactly that. It's one of the reasons why I think JV Biggerstaff could win coach of the year is that you go, Hey, like this dude got Kevin love who like last season, like was throwing the fucking ball <laughs> at like his teammates because <laughs> he was so disgusted what was going on. And now he's like maybe six man of the year. You know, it's. I think it's a great story. And I just think at the end of the day, like, look, Kevin Love is like an elite player that was that sacrificed a lot to be on a championship team with LeBron and Kyrie. And he kind of got the short end of the stick. I think it would be great if he won the award, just so people would be like, oh yeah, Kevin Love still fucking exists. He's still a fucking good basketball player. And I mean, in the off season, he showed up to the USA training camp and they had to ask him to leave because he just like physically couldn't fucking play basketball. The fact that he's even right. in this conversation is just beyond me. You know, they lost Ricky Rubio. They lost um what what's his name? Um it's basic. Sexton. They lost Sexton. Sexton. Like their second unit got thin and he held it together and has had a great season. I just to me, he's the number one option. And like the efficiency and the points per game and the rebounding and the passing is
1: all there. It's just like why not? Like, he's better than Tyler Hero. He's a great choice. He probably is better than Tyler Hero. I I almost regret it, but like, but I, you're not I, wrong. You're not wrong. Like, toss up. yeah. I mean, you're not wrong in that it's like it's 21 points a game from exactly. a dude
0: off the yeah. bench like that that at league average efficiency. Like, that's fucking hard to find.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's two two good choices for this award. There's many good choices because oh well, you got Ken Johnson. I like that too. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a few guys.
0: Yeah. So I just uh, made a list of players that I, I literally went through every single roster in the NBA and found guys that were eligible. I just want to read off a list of the guys that I I I picked up. So obviously, you know, Tyler Hero, Alex Crusoe. You know, if he had if he hadn't missed as much time, he might he might have this award. He's been fantastic defensively. K Love. Harrell, another monster six man season. He switched teams and he was on the Wizards and then the, uh the Hornets. So like. People aren't going to pay attention to him as much as they should, but he's had another awesome six man. He's in the conversation every year. Cam Johnson already talked about Brandon Clark been another very good bench piece, but I don't even know if he's really a six man, but he's been really good for Memphis. I found Gary Payton the second, but I also saw Otto Porter jr. In there. So, you know, golden States done a six man. Yeah. (laughs) Who's their six man. Jordan Clarkson by some metrics is great. Some metrics isn't, but you know, he's in that. And another guy I think we should talk, just mention Luke Kennard has been really good off the bench for the Clippers. Yep. And people were like, well, what a bad contract. So congratulations to Luke Kennard. Also, I just want to say this, a lot of white dudes for six man.
1: I know I was thinking <laughs> like, that I wasn't necessarily going to say it, but like cool. what's
0: going on. Yeah. I know when I was making this list, I was like, is this implicit bias? Yeah, like I feel <laughs> uncomfortable, but like it just is what it is. It is what it is because the white dudes aren't good enough to fucking start. It's, it, it makes sense, it but they're good enough to come off the bench. <laughs> that
1: satisfies my, my white liberal guilt. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, let's move on to a more, I guess, interesting award and a more difficult award to gauge. Most improved player.